Welcome to the Williamstown Church of Christ podcast. This is a sermon recording from one of our Sunday worship gatherings. We meet every Sunday at 10am on the corner of John Street and Douglas Parade, and we'd love to meet you. For more information, head to our website, willychurch.org.au. Enjoy and God bless you. The parable of the soul. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The, the, the crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in the lake. While the people along the shore and the woods there taught him many, he taught him many things by parables. And in his teaching, said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop, some by 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the twelve and others around him asked him about parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that... They may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and leave you. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds, sown on rocky places.
Come and stand up here so people can see you better. I know it's scary, but people can see us better when we're here. Tell us a bit about who you are and, yeah, tell, tell us a bit about your life when you're not here preaching on a Sunday. So I'm Belinda. Um, I'm from Beaconsfield. You may or may not know where that is, but it's about an hour or so away. Um, it's so far away that I stay here overnight. Um, when I'm not here, I'm worshipping at Daniel Church of Christ. Um, not all week, every week, but on a Sunday morning. Um, and I work at Stirling Theological College, and I'm the Director of Operations there. So I do a lot of admin. I also get involved in some of the classes. I tutor in New Testament as well. Um, you sure you didn't just come to say overnight to get around all the Williamstown coffee places in the morning? There, there is a rumour. I'm actually not a coffee drinker, oh, but um, I will welcome gifts of chocolate. Okay, if anybody wants to shout Belinda a hot chocolate after, you can do that. I'm going to pray for you, Belinda. We're really glad you're here. It's such a blessing to our church to have um, preachers come from outside. It's been one of the really enriching things that I've noticed in my time here is when we invite preachers with other voices who come from other places. There's a richness that um, God brings. So, so I'm really looking forward to hearing what you're going to share this morning on the Let's pray. God, we thank you for Belinda. Thank you that you have brought her here today to preach and teach to us. Thank you for the ministry um, that you're working out through her life. Um, thank you that you've gifted her um, to work and serve in the church and in our Church of Christ College. Thank you so much for bringing her today. Bless her. Would you give her confidence now and a peace to share and speak boldly what you have given her to say. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Welcome. Thank you. I'm just going to borrow this music stand if that's right with you, I can't see you right now, I'm just going to use it. Um, and I've got my phone with me, it's not because I'm expecting a call, it's because I forgot to wear a watch, and I want to make sure that I don't keep us here all day. So if I start to go too long, just go get a coffee. Um, feel relaxed to do that. Um, thanks for having me this morning. Will you pray with me as we begin? Father God, thank you that we can gather around your word today and we can hear you speak. Today we pray that we come with open hearts with open ears and open minds, to hear whatever it is that you want to say to us. Like seed on good soil, may the words that are from you take root deep in our hearts and stir us to a response. And may the words that are just from me fall to the floor and be forgotten and blown away like dust. In your name. Amen. Now, hands up if you've eaten breakfast this morning. Excellent. That's very good. Most important meal of the day. Um, hands up if you went to a farmer and bought it from them, or if you grew it yourself. Yeah. Oh, hang on, I think we have a hand at the back. I wasn't expecting that, but well done. Um, most of us probably do our shopping at the supermarket, I'm assuming. Um, but I want to tell you this morning, let's talk about farmers for a bit. So my dad's a farmer, and I spent a good part of my childhood roaming around paddocks, looking at cows, um, wearing gumboots, I'm not wearing them today. Um, my first few driving lessons were actually in a tractor. And summer to me means carting hay in the heat. So when I first looked at today's passage, it felt quite comfortable to me. The idea of farming analogies to tell stories suits me because it takes me back to when I grew up. And even though our farm had cows, I still feel like I can identify with this farmer with the crop. So I realise that I'm in a minority in suburban Melbourne today. Most of us haven't had much opportunity to spend time on a farm. And parables like today's reading probably require a little bit of imagination. For lots of us, milk comes from a carton. 
And the closest we get to a wheat crop, if we're not gluten intolerant, is choosing what flour we're going to buy at Coles. But we actually rely on farmers probably much more than we think about. So as we read, as we think about today's reading, I'd like to tell you a few stories from my parents' farm. So today's reading is a parable. Jesus spoke a lot in parables and he used these examples from everyday life to illustrate a point, but they often had a surprising ending. Many of his parables were used to describe the kingdom of God. And there's a possibility that you've heard a lot of them before. I've never heard today's parable read like it was before. Um, thanks, Ollie. Um, is it your first Sunday reading? I can't even see you. Ollie, is it your first Sunday reading? Good job. Thank you. Um, so we might never have heard it read like that before, but we've probably encountered the story before. And often Jesus didn't explain his parables. He just left people wondering what they were about. But today's one is actually explained quite clearly. So, this parable occurs in three of the four Gospels, as well as being this one that we read today in Mark 4. It's also in Matthew, chapter 13, and again in Luke, chapter 8. And in each case, Jesus explains his parable in the same way. He talks about people being receptive or, or not to the seed, or God's word. And he talks about it as different types of soil. And these are good things for us to think about. What kind of soil are we? What are the weeds in our lives that choke the growth of the word? Are we rocky or shallow or good soil? Are there different parts in our lives that are different types of soil? Perhaps we're open and receptive in our family life, but resistant and rocky in our workplace. Maybe we're deep and good soil when we're sitting here in church, but parts of our personality are thorny and closed off to what God wants to say. Now at this point, I need to confess something. As I started to think about this sermon, I thought, I'll just give a quick overview of the types of soil and then let's look at something else. Because I personally have heard quite a, few, quite a few sermons on soil. And I thought we could look for something exciting and new. But then God challenged me that this parable is actually explained very clearly. Which is unusual because a lot of parables weren't. And I sensed that we needed to spend a little bit of time today thinking about the soil. So as you listen, you might have heard it all before, but like God challenged me, I want to encourage us to listen carefully to what God is saying, even though we might have heard this story many times. So I'm a big believer that God's word always speaks. It's always saying something to us, and it's always new. It's just a matter of whether we're listening or not. So every time we open scripture ready to listen, it speaks something new. So let's read just the parable again, not the whole story that we had in our reading, but just the parable. So listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes it away takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. 
When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. So I know that your series in Mark is called The Crown and the Cross, so I thought today we'd go with the soil and the seed. So as Jesus explained to his disciples what happened to the seed when it fell on each of the different types of soil, I thought we'd have a think about those different types of soil. So the first type of soil that is mentioned is the path. Now, I live in Beaconsfield, and I'm right on the edge of a commercial business zone. My neighbours on one side are a hairdresser and a cafe. On the other side, I have normal neighbours. But during the day, my street is full of cars. My front lawn often has pedestrians. Just this passing parade of people walking across. We don't have a footpath on my side of the street. So cafe and hairdresser customers just constantly walk across my lawn to get their coffee fix, get their hair cut, and back again to their cars. And as a result of all this traffic across my lawn, my front lawn has developed this unusual kind of pattern. It's nice and healthy under my bedroom window, and then it's the same right at the edge of the curb. But then in the middle, it's got these bare patches. So I noticed the other day that there's even little rocks starting to show through in these patches. And my lawn actually looks quite miserable, especially in the middle of summer. So I've tried watering it when I do my garden, I tried spreading little fertiliser pallets, but they just kind of bounce off the top. But it's continuing to go bald. Even though I'm watering it and I'm fertilising it, it's not working. And you can actually see, if you stand at the edge of my lawn, you can see this clear path running from one side to the other, which is not that helpful because it's a bit of a track and now everyone follows the path. So it's a self-perpetuating problem. And this is probably the kind of path that Jesus is talking about in the parable. This is long before the council built nice concrete footpaths everywhere. Jesus is talking about a path like this. The grass has worn away from the traffic. The soil has become compacted and it's actually now too hard to grow anything in it. The seed has nowhere to enter the soil. The only way it can enter is if someone gets out there and digs it up. They've got to chop up the hard bits on the top. And maybe then they might need to add some fertiliser or compost or even some better quality soil. And in our lives, maybe there are places where life or other people even have worn us down. Circumstances have worn down our growth and we feel like we've been rubbed bare in the process. The soil of our hearts has become tired and discouraged. We've become hard to those around us and hard to God. We hear lots of words about God, but they just bounce off the surface. But we know it should affect us somehow. And these things just skim along the surface and they blow away. And like my lawn, the traffic passing over the top of us continues. And we start to just accept that this is the way that life will be. We don't necessarily like it, but we might have given up on expecting any change. And so the soil continues to harden. The grass stops growing completely. Any new seed or ideas just blow away. Even the rain that's supposed to nourish us and help us grow just runs straight off the top and causes damage somewhere else. And if we even bother to dig it at all, it's hard work and all we discover is dust or lumps of clay. 
And at that point, there seems to be no life and no growth at all. So the, bar the path is a bare place where the ground is too hard for anything to grow. Now, the second type of soil in this parable does have growth. In fact, it has quick growth in response to the seed, but it doesn't last. And that's the rocky soil. Now, my parents' farm, which is where I grew up, is on the front of a large hill. And that's kind of unremarkable, although I have noticed it is quite flat around Williamstown, so maybe it is remarkable. But what you discover when you talk to my parents is that they live on the front half of an extinct volcano, which actually I think is pretty cool. Now, I don't know a lot about volcanoes, so they didn't listen in geography, but I do know that volcanoes produce ash and produce fertile soil. And once extinct, volcanoes actually leave a lot of rock under the surface, under the topsoil. Now, I know this because this is like my parents' farm. The top and the back of the hill at my parents' place has actually been quarried out. Now, I notice there's a lot of bluestone around Williamstown, edges of the streets, beautiful buildings, all that kind of thing. Gravel in your ash belt as well. All of that comes from quarries like the one at the back of my parents' farm. It's quarried out of the ground from old volcanoes. And if you dig below the soil layer at my parents' farm, you'll soon begin to discover all these rocks of different shapes and sizes. And the further you dig, the more you find. Now these rocks actually, weirdly, have a way of working their way to the surface. My dad often has to take the tractor out and collect rocks. He has to clear them from the, from the paddock so he doesn't hit them with farm machinery and do damage. So being near an old volcano means that the soil is incredibly fertile the hill is very green, but it requires constant maintenance to keep it clear of rocks. The more rocks, the less useful land. And rocks just under the surface also mean that whatever is growing can't send down deep roots because plant roots can't penetrate rocks. So sometimes instead the roots just run along the ground just under the surface instead of going down deep. So they grow across instead of down. And in a storm or heavy winds, strong winds, a big tree might actually blow over because its roots aren't deep enough. If there's lots of rain, which makes the ground soft, trees with shallow roots will often just fall over, sometimes over fences. And when the trees do fall or die, the soil then actually sometimes washes away as well, leaving just more rocks underneath. It becomes this continuous cycle. Growth dies because roots are shallow. The roots die and they were binding the soil together. So then the soil blows away as well, making the soil even shallower. And it causes any new growth from there to become even shallower again. So it's just this continuous cycle when there's rocks under the, under the soil. And at the end of it, we're left with this bare landscape where there should be growth and life. And I wonder, are our lives ever like this? Maybe we have rocks that push up to the surface and make it difficult for life to grow in a sustainable way. Maybe we're even thinking now of some circumstances or relationships or habits that lie just under the surface and they stunt our growth. They might not be visible to others, they might be covered by really fertile topsoil, but we still know that they're there. Maybe you've even had a season of good growth that looked really promising despite what was under the surface. And we get to thinking that we can grow in spite of this shallow soil, but then the growth stops or even dies when there's, some when there's a storm or some heat, and it leaves us again with just these rocks. 
So my dad has learned that clearing rocks is ongoing work and it's necessary if you want to have good soil. So he checks the paddocks regularly and he does maintenance whenever he has to. And he never actually reaches the point where he can say, collected all the rocks, we're good now. He just does a little bit regularly and he just does it continually and growth on the farm continues. So that's the rocky soil. And then we come to the next type of soil and it's different again. Something is growing there and it's actually growing very well. So Jesus speaks next to the thorns. Now when I was thinking about thorns and when they're mentioned in the Bible, I realised that they don't get good press, do they? I couldn't think of an example where thorns actually are used to illustrate something useful. We've got this thorny ground in the parable. We've got the crown of thorns that's put on Jesus' head just before he's crucified. And Paul talks about a thorn in his flesh that torments him in 2 Corinthians. Now thorns are sharp and they're unpleasant and they're painful and we actually don't want to get near them because come too close to them and you're going to get hurt. So in this parable, the thorns are choking the seed. It's not that the ground is actually unfruitful or that nothing will grow because there is plenty of growth in this soil. But the thorns indicate that it's the wrong type of seed that's been sown. It's the wrong type of seed that's been nurtured. And as a result, there is the wrong type of growth. So something is growing, but it's not useful. And it's preventing the growth of anything that is actually useful. The thorns are sucking the nutrients from the soil, and they're taking up space that was actually made for something useful. Any other seed doesn't stand a chance against these established thorn bushes. And the only way to make the ground usable is to clear the thorns. While the thorns are still present, the new seed can't grow because new growth is fragile. It can't compete for light and nutrients and space in an area that's already full of something else. So unless the thorns are cleared, it will choke new growth. And sometimes our lives get like this too. It's almost like Jesus knew us, right? So sometimes that we fill ourselves up with all kinds of other things. And maybe they're even things that look good to the rest of the world. But we don't leave any space for God's word to take root and to grow within us and then produce fruit. The thorns take our time, they take our energy, our resources. But the kind of growth that's produced is useless. God's word might be sown, but we're too busy or tired or preoccupied for it to grow. And have you ever heard something that you thought might be from God and then been distracted by it for being distracted from it by your next task or the next thing that's got to happen. It's like Megan was saying this morning about the two minutes you sit down to reflect and spend time with God and then you're thinking about what you need to buy at the supermarket or what you're having for dinner. This happens to me and I'm hoping I'm not alone in this. Now after the thorny soil, Jesus speaks of the good soil and at this point we breathe a bit of a sigh of relief because good soil doesn't need any work, Right? You sow seed, and a crop springs up. It's magical. Jesus says the crop is 30, 60, or 100 times what is sown, and good soil will produce an abundance of fruit. And this is all true. But the reality is, and my dad will tell you this, good soil doesn't maintain itself. If it's cropped for too long without a break, the soil loses nutrients, and it becomes unproductive. If there's too much traffic, like my lawn, it will become hard. It remains good soil through a balance of good maintenance and regular rest. The farmer knows he can't continue to plant the same crop every year, forever. 
even if a crop has been wildly successful one year, it may not be the next. The crop might have taken too many nutrients from the soil. The soil might need some time and some fertiliser to recover. In Leviticus, back in the Old Testament, in chapter 25, God says to the people of Israel, For six years sow your fields, and for six years prune your vineyards and gather their crops. But in the seventh year, the land is to have a year of Sabbath rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. Do not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. Do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the grapes of your untended vines. The land is to have a year of rest. And this year of rest allows the land to recover from the work and to be more productive in future years. And it's the same with us. We might have been productive. We might have been wildly successful in a particular ministry or area of our life for years. But God might be calling us to rest for a season in order for us to replenish and to grow, to develop good soil. Or he may be calling us to rotate our crops, invest our energy somewhere else for a while. And this is not a reflection on our ability. It's just God being a good and caring farmer who knows how to care for his soil. And good soil also needs to be ploughed from time to time, which is digging down below the surface. It's the breaking the hard parts open and mixing the topsoil with what's underneath. This stops the soil becoming hard and it allows whatever's just sitting on the surface to actually filter down and go deeper. It brings whatever's deeper up to the surface as well. So this stops, ploughing stops the soil becoming shallow and hard and ensures that the nutrients end up where they're meant to go. They penetrate all the way through the soil. And we need this from time to time as well. Sometimes we might wonder why we're struggling in life. We read our Bibles, we pray, we spend time in reflection and we work hard to be good soil. And still, even then, things can be tough. We might get sick, we might have difficult family members, we might even have a hard time at church. But perhaps these things are opportunities to allow God to plough the soil in our lives. Our response in these situations can give an opportunity for God to dig into the hard places and to bring new growth there. And perhaps these circumstances can stop us from becoming shallow and becoming hard soil. And they can become times to allow the seed of God's word to penetrate deep into our lives. It's easy to trust God when things are going well. But it's much more fruitful to learn to trust God when things are tough, when we're being broken open. And when the things under the surface in our lives are exposed. Now we get to this point of the parable, and it's quite easy to be thinking of all the things we need to do. We've got a list now, right? We need to go out and fix the soil. And it's easy to feel like we've just been told to work harder, be more diligent, be better farmers of our own soil so that we're ready to receive God's word. And it's true that we have a responsibility for how we live our lives. And we should be challenged to think about this. We should be challenged, are we a hard path? Do we have things in our lives, rocks in our soil that make us shallow? Are there thorns that choke our growth? Or do we have good soil that we need to maintain? But the gospel is not a list of rules. The gospel is about hope that comes from beyond ourselves and beyond our own efforts. The gospel is about the coming of the kingdom of God, not about something that we do. So this parable actually has this incredible hope in it, and we can easily miss it if we're just looking at the dirt. There's more than just soil in this parable. There's more than a hard path. There's more than rocks and thorns. 
and even good soil. Because in this parable, there's a farmer and there's seed. And never forget that seed, that soil can be weeded and dug up and fertilised and transformed by the farmer. If part of the farm isn't growing well, a farmer will notice and he'll fertilise the, the area. If there's an area with lots of thorns or rocks, the farmer will clear them. Every now and again, the farmer will plough padding as well. He'll break up the hard parts of the soil to give an opportunity for new growth. And the responsibility for the farm lies in the hands of the farmer and not the soil. Did you get that? The responsibility for the farm lies in the hands of the farmer, not the soil. And this is the first half of a message of hope in this parable. Regardless of how we are, the farmer is alongside us. He isn't distant or not interested. He's working in our lives, wanting us to receive his word and to be fruitful. Wanting us to become good soil and providing us with everything that we need to become who he created us to be. And then, when he's worked the soil, he sows the seed. Sowing it across the farm, scattering it. A good farmer, he knows what he's doing and he knows what the seed is worth. And the seed represents next season's crop as well. It's valuable. The farmer is investing in the future, in next season. And he's relying on his work on the soil to produce his growth. But then in this parable, we hear this farmer who supposedly knows what he's doing, scattering it on the path, on the rocky ground, throws it amongst the thorns. Now, I love that he's willing to go into the thorny parts that are so there. Thorns cause pain when someone comes near to them. Yet here is the farmer deliberately going to the thorny parts, risking pain for himself and harm to sow seed there in that path. Now, if seed is valuable and it represents next season's possibility of a crop, why would you scatter it in places where you know it's not going to grow? It doesn't sound like a very smart farmer. Because you don't have to be a farmer to know that seed won't grow on a path. You don't have to be a farmer to know that seed has the best chance of growing when it's carefully planted, carefully scattered over good soil. Yet, we've got this farmer who's just throwing seed all over the place. And this is actually the second half of the hope in this parable. And this is the bit that doesn't make sense, except in the kingdom of heaven. The seed is sown generously and it falls on all kinds of ground. The seed is all the same and the seed itself is good. And God is generous. He's sowing seed with his reckless abandon and generosity. He knows that some, or even a lot, will be eaten by birds. It'll be blown away by the wind. It'll be washed away by the rain. But he still works and he still sows. And in this parable, the seed is the message of the gospel. It's a message of hope that there's more to life than just what we see around us. It's an invitation from God to all of humanity to come into relationship with him and to live a life that is in response to a God who created us and a God who loves us. Now this parable tells us that God doesn't pick and choose who receives the seed, even though it's obvious that some won't grow, or maybe it won't even last the day. It's still scattered, it's still sown, and the different types of soil are not categorised according to what belongs and what doesn't belong. No soil and no person is deemed less worthy of receiving seed or attention from the farmer than any other. And with us, maybe we've identified some bare or hard or thorny or shallow places in ourselves in the past. Maybe even as we've listened to the reading today. And maybe at some point we've wondered if we're beyond responding to God's invitation. Maybe we've thought that the thorns or the path 
or the rocks are permanent and there are no other possibilities for us. And if that is us, then this parable is a reason to hope. Because this parable tells us that we're not beyond change and we're not beyond growth. This parable tells us that God is generous and it continues, and God continues to invite us to respond to his word and continues to invite us to allow him to work in our lives. And in speaking this parable and in coming to live amongst us, Jesus is bringing God near. We're seeing the seed continue to be scattered by God and we continue to have the opportunity to respond, to begin to grow and to produce fruit. And regardless of the condition of our soil right now, God the loving farmer wants us to know that he'll continue to scatter seed everywhere. He'll continue to be generous and he'll continue to love. He'll continue to work the soil to produce new growth. First comes new growth, then comes a crop. And it's a crop that is far beyond what's sown. It's 30 or 60 or 100 times. God will multiply what he sows in us as well. So will you pray with me? Father God, our farmer, thank you for your words in this parable today. Thank you that you scatter seed generously and you sow into every part of our lives, even the parts that we don't want to surrender to you. If our lives are hard today, like the path, we pray that you dig the soil. If our lives have rocks hiding below the surface, we pray that you give us courage to expose and then to clear them. If our lives are full of thorns that choke us, we pray that you help us to clear space for new growth. And if our lives are good soil, Father, we pray that you keep working in us to produce a crop that is pleasing to you. Give us the courage to let you plough the places that need ploughing. Show us the parts of our lives where the soil is rocky or hard or thorny and help us to let you continue to work the soil in your name.